Welcome to the new 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week we seek to understand the practical truths of the Bible and how they can change our lives. And now, here's your podcast host, Pastor Mark Miner. Today we're going to be looking at a problem that has confounded mankind since the beginning of time, since the creation. I'm talking about the problem, the conundrum, the, the difficulty of understanding evil. Welcome today to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. My name is Mark Meyer. Honored to have you along for 24 or so minutes that you're lending me, and I promise you I will do my dead-level best to make it worthwhile and to help you as I help myself to understand on this journey of the Bible and how it relates to us, how it provides practical truths for our lives. Uh, today's topic, if you will, is how we became a broken people, in a broken world. So thank you for being a part. Uh, episode 119 seems like a lot of them, but I enjoy everyone. Hope that you've listened to all of them. Well, at least one of them. And hopefully you will keep listening and tell some others about this podcast because we are endeavoring to understand and connect the dots in a very simple way as we work through the Bible to understand some, some basic truths, some practical truths, I'm calling them. So again, thank you for being a part. I want to start with just a little story uh, in southern Missouri. There's a beautiful river you may have been on. It's called the Current River. It's a spring-fed river that, that comes up out of the ground, so it's beautiful, clear, very cold water. Uh, people by the thousands go there every year to rent canoes or, as I usually did, uh, to float gently down the river in an inner tube. When I was a youth pastor many years ago, uh, it, that was a, a yearly event, and here's how it went. We loaded up 25 kids in some old decrepit uh, van, and uh, we made our way the three-and-a-half-hour three journey uh, to our accommodations, and our accommodations usually were a place called the Deer Run Campground in Van Buren, Missouri. And it was on one memorable year. Uh, I, I remember we'd set up camp. We arrived around 3 o'clock, uh, just did everything as we always did. Uh, and we just got finished when all of a sudden the owner of the campground made an appearance uh, at our, our campsite. And she said, you can't camp here this close to the river. Uh, you're going to have to move everyone in the group to higher ground. I said, well, well why? I, I looked, the river was flowing nicely and the ground was dry. And uh, I said, I, I don't understand. This is where we always camp. Her response was, well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to move. She then convinced, uh, commenced to uh, tell me that there had been some very heavy rains about 100 miles north of our campsite. Uh, soon those rains would be making their way to the campground and our site where our very tents and everything were uh, set up would be flooded underwater. Now, it, it was hard for me to believe on this beautiful, bright, sunny day that we were in any danger at all of being swept away by the flood. But my, was, was she right. Before too long, we began to notice the river rising and rising and rising, and within a short time, our tents, our camping sites at least, were under about three feet of rushing water with strong currents. Had we stayed, we would have been washed downstream in the flood. Hard to believe that something that happened a long time ago and far, far away could put us in very real mortal danger. 
and I'm not talking about the flood on the current river that day. I'm speaking about the flood of pain, sorrow, brokenness, and death that began a long time ago and far, far away in a place called the Garden of Eden. According to the Bible, it was there that we became broken people living in a broken world. And to this moment, we are always and often in danger of getting caught up in that flow. It is the earth we live in and the lot of our lives now. So let's uh, look at this idea, a very difficult concept. Let's look at the idea, though, of evil and this broken, dangerous world that we live in as the Bible gives us information and understanding. Now, I use the word broken because uh, many people struggle with the concept of evil. Some people don't even believe there is such a thing uh, as evil as far as human beings are concerned. It's because of the situations that we have been taught or brought up in. I'm not going to deal with all those concepts, but I would like you to listen to a definition of evil, uh, not created by me, but created by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And here's their definition. Quote, profoundly immoral and wicked. Profoundly immoral and wicked. That's their definition of evil. Huh? Wait a minute. Who gets to define what immoral and wicked are? Uh, those, are, those are subjective terms, too. Is it, is it the culture? Is it the Supreme Court? Uh, we're going to hand it off to the psychologist, Charles Darwin? Are we going to give it to him or, or Adolf Hitler? I mean, who gets to define what evil is? Was killing six million Jews in World War II during that awful, awful period of time, was that evil? Not in Hitler's dictionary. So you see the problem. We can talk about evil uh, all we want, but there must be a standard that defines what evil is. You can say, well, culture defines evil. But my friend, uh, slavery was culturally acceptable in the 17th and 18th centuries. Are you saying that slavery is okay today because it was acceptable then? Culture was defining that. Or how about the Taliban and their culture in, in the Middle East, particularly Afghanistan, a culture that enslaves women, denies them the rights to education, even forces them to become child brides at the age of 10 or 11, married to men that are 30 and 40 years older than them. Are you saying that these practices are acceptable? I don't think so. But that's where the Bible comes in. Everyone has to have a standard by which to measure things, to call some things evil and to call other things good. The Bible is, at least for me, our moral authority. It claims that there is a God who has defined evil. The Bible claims to have originated with God, not man, but with God, and therefore is above man. Hitler and all the tyrants who came before him claimed they were God, and they set the standards. What they decided to find evil and good. Even Charles Darwin and his uh, theory of evolution would say that there is no evil because uh, he's an atheist, and so there is no moral authority. You know, survival of the fittest and all those terms that he coined. And yet even Darwin is not consistent when he's talking about evil and the whole theory uh, of, of where evil came from because he makes moral judgments. Let me give you a quote because this is what he defined uh, as something that changed his life. 
uh, as he was uh, studying nature and all of the things, the mechanisms thereof. Uh, and I, I found this quote concerning Charles Darwin. This is what he says, quote, I cannot persuade myself that a beneficial and omnipotent God would have designedly created, now listen to this, parasitic wasp with the expressed intention of their feeding within the living bodies of caterpillars, unquote. Now let me unpack what Darwin just said there. It is a quote from him. He said he has rejected God because he can't believe that a loving and beneficial, a, 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 an omnipotent, a powerful, a gracious God would create a parasitic wasp that would sting and deposit its young inside the body of a caterpillar or a worm and that those eggs would hatch and ultimately eat the insides of the caterpillar, uh, thereby giving them life. I thought that was survival of the fittest. But according to Darwin, he rejects God on the basis of a parasitic wasp being too evil for a loving God to have created. Wow. Think about that. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> let's talk about some of the questions that we all face concerning uh, evil and how we became a broken people in a broken world. Here's the questions that I encounter. I know you ask them yourself. Why is there such pain and suffering in this world? Where is God when the uh, catastrophic events take place? How could a loving God create or allow such evil, murder, disease, wars, starvation, and pestilence, just to name a few? How could God allow these things to happen? Why do bad things happen to good people, to God's people? Well, as I said, we're going to look at the practical truth flowing through the Bible that has to do with this topic. And uh, there is a river that runs through the Bible. It starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And understanding these practical truths can help us with some of the answers that we wrestle with, particularly as today's topic, uh, the discussion about evil and why it's in this world. It also provides for us not only uh, in our own minds some answers, but hopefully through the discussion today, you'll have some answers that you can share with others that might bring peace and comfort and at least understanding to the very broken culture and life that we live in. So let's dive in. Practical truth number one. Satan owns this planet. Practical truth number one. The Bible declares Satan owns this planet. Now when I was growing up, school, Sunday school, we would sometimes sing a song. He's got the whole world in his hands. You might remember that old uh, song. Uh, great song, horrible theology. He doesn't have our God, does not have the whole world in his hands. Let's, let's follow the river. Let's follow the river through the Bible. And that's one of the practical things we'll be looking at as we, as we flow and seek to understand, as we flow through the Bible and seek to understand it, that, that God establishes some truths. And, and you'll see these truths and they pop up in the characters and in the stories and in the books throughout the Bible. So let's follow this truth. For example, one event found in Genesis chapter 3, uh, and that event, an event that uh, happened long, long ago and far, far away, is flowing through our campground. Now, I'm not talking about the campground in Missouri. I'm talking about the campground of our life. It is dangerous and it is real. 
if we are to understand the presence of evil, the brokenness of this world, and why bad things happen to good people. To good people. Uh, we have to begin at the source. And the source is the Garden of Eden. The first sin, Adam and Eve, uh, the first sin of Adam and Eve, became a trickle, that became a string, that became this raging torrent of evil that we observe today. Let's follow the river again. Immediately after sin, in Genesis 4, we see the first marital dispute. Shortly after that, uh, and in that dispute, Adam and Eve are blaming each other. They're hiding. They're hiding from each other. They're hiding from God. We're actually going to touch on that more next week as we look at the nature of humanity. But the river continues on after this embarrassing failure, and it leads to the very first murder as Cain kills Abel, which led to isolation as Cain is cast away and removed from his father and mother because of his uh, murder which leads ultimately to war, to sexual sin, to strange, uh, mystical sort of demonic type effects, which ultimately led in Genesis 6 to a worldwide flood. And then after the flood, even that cleansing, if you will, of the flood uh, didn't solve things. In fact, it, in some ways it opened up some things because we now see diseases, infirmities, catastrophic weather events, human slavery, and on and on until today. So understand this, my friend, practical truth number one is that the source of evil on planet Earth began with disobedience to God, sin. To blame God for murder and crime and disease and accidents and pain and death is, is a misnomer. Not only that, it's just blatantly untrue. Man's sin, that sin in the Garden of Eden, uh, where uh, we disobeyed God, where we literally handed a quit-claim deed to this planet, to planet Earth. Uh, we were the original owners in Adam and Eve, and it would have passed on down to us through the inheritance. But when they sinned, Adam and Eve listened to the enemy. Uh, they handed to Satan a, a deed for this planet. Uh, they were the original owners, but not now. This is not God's world. He gave it to us, we gave it away. He gave it to Adam and Eve, and then they gave control and authority of the events on planet Earth to Satan. Don't, don't believe me? Well, let me give you a couple of quotes from Jesus himself concerning this planet, this world. For example, John 12, 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. That's Jesus himself. He continues on, John 14, the prince of this world is coming for me. John 16, 11, the prince of this world now stands condemned. So you see that Jesus was saying he is the prince of the power of the air. He controls the atmosphere of planet Earth. Even Satan acknowledged his ownership of the planet in Luke chapter 4, 5. I quote now, the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to if you will worship me. Now, did you catch that, that phrase? Satan said, it's been given to me. Well, it wasn't God that gave it to him. It was us. 
And so practical truth number one, to help you in a philosophical, theological, just in a very practical way, practical truth number one, Satan owns this planet, which leads us to practical truth number two. God is a God of law. In other words, God honors the laws that he has set in existence. God is ultimately, he calls himself a lawgiver. And he honors the laws, the contracts, and the principles that he has set in place. Once mankind had fallen, the Lord had no other recourse but to honor the decisions Adam and Eve had made. He had given the planet to them. They had given it away to Satan. God had to honor their request. They had chosen to listen to Satan, to disobey the command of God. I don't know if it was an apple, a lemon, a fruit, a pomegranate, whatever it was. Uh, the decision uh, to disobey God was the issue. Death came into existence. So one thing that God the Creator did not create on this planet, death, was now ruling and reigning. You see, when you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. That's what God told Adam and Eve. The Lord couldn't just dismiss it. Uh, on a whim. He, he couldn't just give mankind a mulligan or a do-over. Uh, he could not, as a just and righteous law-giving God, ignore and excuse the consequences of man's actions. Death had now entered our life, our planet. And the only way to fix the problem was to send one to take the punishment for us, a Redeemer. There are certain things that the Heavenly Father, and you need to understand this now, we often get in debates with people, but there are certain things that the Heavenly Father, God himself, cannot do. Not because he's weak or impotent or inept, but because to do so would violate his very character. One such example is that God cannot lie. It would violate his nature and character because God is truth. Falsehood and truth cannot exist in the same being. When the Creator spoke a solemn promise that to eat of the fruit is to release death, the Creator just simply can't go back on His word and say, oh, I didn't really mean it. We do that all the time. That's humans. God, the law-giving, just and righteous God, could not do that. Death and all the horrible collateral damage that hangs with it have been released. There is now only one cure to enter into this world this existence, and satisfy the penalty. And that, my friend, is what the cross is all about. Practical truth number three. Human beings have a free will. You probably know, you recited the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I'll just give you a part of it there. Uh, uh, here we go. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So far, so good. But listen to this next line. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, just don't take that as a recitation from some poem. Listen to what God's saying, what Jesus is praying, in fact. Your will be done on earth. Why is Jesus praying that? Because it's not always done. God's will is not always done. Catch that important bit of information Jesus is giving us. God's will is not always done on the earth. Bad things happen to good people, to God's people. We are not exempt. We live in a broken world. Satan is the prince of this world. Because of his rule, people have been seduced. They've been lied to. They've been tricked. They've been wounded. Hurt people. Hurt people. And that's exactly uh, part of what is going on in this world. 
because of uh, the violation of this rule, people have suffered, all of us. It's not fair, some may say. Uh, well, the controller of this world uh, is not fair. In fact, he's the one of whom Jesus said his very character is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's in charge. My friend, you are behind enemy lines. And part of the consequence of the apple, uh, or whatever the fruit was, is that we have free will now. And people can choose to do good. But people very often choose to do evil to you, to me, and to mankind in general. So practical truth number three, we need to remember, human beings have a free will, and God does not violate that free will. Number four, not only the world, but our human condition is broken. We've been talking about how the planet is in a malaise. It's in a mess. It's, it's broken. It's sinful. Uh, but not only is the planet in a mess, but our human condition. Practical truth number four, human condition is broken. I will talk about this more in depth, as I mentioned in next week's episode. But uh, just to close the loop, uh, something awful happened, perhaps at a biological level, but for sure at a spiritual level in the Garden of Eden. The nature of mankind became broken. How, you might ask? Well, a brief look at human history will confirm how messed up and evil and malicious and broken we are. No matter how hard we try, we fail. It's interesting to me, the uh, Greek word for sin is hamartia, and it's an archery term, and it means missing the mark. It means that no matter how hard we try, how well we aim, we will never hit the mark. We fail. And this theme, this understanding, is flowing through the Scripture uh, that uh, we, human beings, are broken. Here's some things we read about us that the Bible, again, the moral authority, at least mine, uh, defines for me this practical truth concerning humanity, human condition. Let me give you a few verses here. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How about Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above everything else and is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Well, that's the Bible's judgment on our mind and our actions and our directions. Uh, the truth, uh, this truth that running through the Bible, it's telling us that we are broken and uh, perhaps broken at a genetic level. Let's listen to Psalms 51.5. This is King David writing this, speaking of all of us. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, he wasn't conceived in sin in that he was born out of wedlock. He's saying, I am a broken human being, my human nature is sinful. There are people in the world today and culture today that will disagree with that. Uh, psychologists and educators and scientists, uh, they would, they would uh, certainly uh, disagree with the Bible, but, but the Bible truth, the practical truth uh, of the Bible is that we are broken, and the Bible shouts that loudly. We are born broken with a sinful nature and no amount of trying, not 100 self-help books that you might read, not a thousand Hail Marys, or an endless ceremony uh, uh, will change our human nature. It does not matter if you grew up in a great home with wonderful parents and had all the advantages of religious training, or if you grew up on the south side of town in poverty and on the streets. We are all, according to the Bible, broken, sinners. We can't fix ourselves. So God sent someone 
from heaven to redeem and repair our brokenness. I think you know his name. Beyond the practical truths, let me close out with what I call the, the practical practices. Sometimes these are things to do. Sometimes these are just sort of a summation of, of this whole idea, this concept of evil and, and how we read it through biblical eyes. So practical practices. Uh, one thing to remember or to make note of is that uh, uh, bad things, the bad things that have happened to you are not God's will. God did not create evil and death. There are consequences to actions. There are consequences in this world. There are consequences because we live in this world. But understand, it was never God's will to do you harm, to, to make you sick, or to bring you to death. God is life. A second practical practice is to understand this. You live in enemy territory. Take precaution. This world, many people, uh, this uh, current broken creation, nature, it's all against you. So you need to wash your hands. You need to wear your coat. You need to eat well, and you need to take your medicine. Don't walk in the jungle at night. There's lions out there. Stay away from the war zones. You're going to get shot. You get the idea. We can't just blindly walk through enemy territory and blame everything on God because this world is not his home. And lastly, the repair for your broken nature is found in a personal experience with God's son, Jesus. His life living in you becomes your hope to change. And you can pray a simple prayer and invite Jesus into your life. It's not a denominational thing. It's simply a Jesus thing. Uh, do that. I would encourage you to do that. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and, and heal me. Make me well. Uh, love me. Show me what to do. It, just a simple prayer. Then see what happens. This decision called salvation in the Bible will not change a hostile world that is around you. But it will fix the hostile, broken world that is living within you. The creator of the world will bring peace to your mind and heart. He will restore the relationship that Adam and Eve broke. He will call you his child, his son, or his daughter. I so encourage you to at least consider to make that prayer and ask him into your life. Thank you for being a part. As I said, next week uh, in episode 120, we're going to be looking at uh, the issue of God consciousness or soul self-consciousness. And we'll talk about the human nature in more specific. So hope you can join me next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you for being a part today. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.